Welcome to another episode of The Artistic Director with Jacob Alexander Ferg. I'm sitting here with Brian Taves. Brian, how are you doing right now? I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. For the listener who's not familiar with you, sure. can you give a, uh, a brief or however long you want history of Brian Taves as a performer <laughs> and a director and an educator? Sure. I got my education started at uh, Western Washington University. I've been doing theater ever since I was in elementary school. I loved the live aspect of telling stories that being in a room with an audience and having to pay attention to that person, I think is something that's really important. And it's sort of a a commodity in these days, especially with, you know, technology and smartphones and all that stuff. I think I've always considered it kind of the underdog of of the arts of because yeah. there's always yeah and in terms of uh getting involved in the theater in college um i would go out and see a lot of theater performances you know in high school you get a lot of the disney sort of community theater fair so like neil simon and all that yeah. and it wasn't until i i read like waiting for godot in my english class and being like holy crap like you could do that on stage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was really interested in that form of theater of like absurdist or experimental, like fucking with form essentially. So in terms of kind of relating it back to what you were saying, I wanted to find ways in which to really engage with that specific genre. I started reading a lot of different playwrights because of the classes that I took at Western. It allowed me to... Uh, get an understanding of all the different forms of theater, like what else is possible out there. And also an appreciation for the administrative side of theater. Um, I did not, I used to do a lot of leadership in high school. I was an ASB and I wasn't really aware of until I went to college that there is a a correlation between arts as well as that sort of leadership, artistic directing aspect. And, through the doing and seeing plays, I kind of found myself wanting to be in those leadership roles because I wanted to shape the narrative of how of the, I wanted to do the kind of theater I wanted to see. I knew in high school that I wanted to be an educator as well. Um, so I, I specifically am more language arts, but I found that language arts and theater had its, um, uh, they, they complement one another. So I tried to find as many, I just tried to just put myself out there, take as many opportunities as I could, meet people, talk to people, have these, as we're doing right now, these one-on-one conversations about what's your taste? Like, what do you like? why do you do art? Why do you do theater? Like, and then it from theater expanded into this intersectionality between not just theater, but just improv and film and music and visual arts and how all of these influences and all of these disciplines and mediums can really uh, channel into creating stories on stage. And I think a lot of the time, you know, I would, I, I, for two years, I was the artistic director of place for us. And I really, really loved it because I would see students coming in from the high school level or people who have, whether they really wanted to be serious theater artists or people who just kind of had a hobbyist kind of attitude toward it. It was kind of this nice cacophony of minds to work (laughs) with. And also just incredibly empowering because just like education, teachers want to make sure that they're educating students and giving them the tools and skills and content so that they can 
in a really cliche manner, take over our jobs, you know, be, yeah, be, you know, move forward in a way that's a, is a positive change for the world. And with plays for us, there was that kind of educational aspect of it, but there was a place where people can um, really dare to fail, take risks, all those things. So I really, really got a lot out of facilitating that and finding those people in having those one-on-one conversations and going to those plays and being bold and being that weird guy who's like, hey, I really like that thing that you did on stage. Like, let's find a way to put your strengths into writing or directing or acting. I continued and I did uh, the Student Theater Productions Board at Western Washington University um, for three years. I acted as a business manager and then I also was the artistic director. Um, And during that time, there was a lot of trial and error, like figuring out where, how to reach people the best, how to shape narratives, um, how to find people who are really good at what they're doing and putting them in a place where they can succeed and grow from there. And that essentially turned into uh, more pr- producing work. So I, um, that led to opportunities at the Idiom Theater, finding people, again, within that like-minded, sort of absurdist, experimental, new work kind of frontier, that avant-garde, you know, the f- people who are writing stories that isn't just the mainstream, streamlined stuff, yeah. bringing those people in a room and putting them in a place where they can succeed and, you know, show like this is an opportunity this is something that you know this is the future of theater or american theater Um, and i think it starts really with students and it starts with taking risks on ideas and facilitating those ideas and shaping them into narratives that people would want to come and see yeah that was the nice thing about plays for us for the listener plays for us is 10 or uh, four 10 minute one act plays yeah and there's really, like, this isn't to discredit it, but there's really no stakes involved. No stakes. It's yeah. very, very bare bones. You, like, hit the ground running, yeah. you just do it, yeah. and then it's over with. And, and when you have that no stakes involved, right. you're you're willing to, you're able to, like, unleash a creative side that wouldn't otherwise be there. Well, it takes the pressure off of yeah, having exactly. to like perform, you know, because it's not, it's not Broadway. It's not like, yeah. you know, you're not doing something because um, you're worried about, I mean, the thing, the nice thing about Place for Us is it kind of served two purposes. As I said, like it serves as like a, a place for people who low stakes, like hobbyists who are just like, Hey, I want to just try to act or direct or write this thing um, to people who are serious about improving their craft. Um, and uh, because there was such a lovely tie into the theater, it was a theater department sort of is a place where I, I kind of see it as sort of like an SNL or like a place where people can, Oh, those are the up and coming people yes. that I want to like write, direct or collaborate with in the future. And then also it, it, it kind of works as a, like a recruiting ground. But there's also this, there was this tie into the greater Western Washington University community of Place for Us was a place where both the hardcore theater person, uh, theater artist, as well as just the regular old business major, communications major, and, and anyone in between could come together for a night of storytelling yeah. that was entertaining and usually in the comedy vernacular. Yeah. So typically. Typically, yeah. Um, okay, so I wanna I think you might be the first person that have has preempted me with my big ambiguous question. Sure. What is your artistic direction? 
Yeah, so that's a loaded question. That is uh, a very loaded question. <laughs> um, so, I mean, to totally be transparent, I am, and I think all of us are still a work in progress yeah, in terms sure. of like we are we we don't know the answers to these questions. Like, art is so subjective. Like, what I think is right or what I think is working well is totally derailed by somebody else's experience yeah. or what what they have brought into it. So artistic direction for me is a synthesis of my taste, my things that I like to see, but also a synthesis of what other what works for other people. It's a buffet sort of thing. <laughs> it's a buffet of like and that is why I think with artistic direction it's important to go see a lot of art, go see a lot of plays, watch a lot of movies, watch a lot of television, continue to garner a taste and stay within the mainstream, stay within the, the, the conversation of what's going on. So yeah. that's why I go out and I see a bunch of stuff and I go and I try to go to plays or movies and I, and that's kind of my talk because in the meantime what I'm doing is not only am I having great conversations with friends or colleagues about art but I'm also sort of interviewing them and being like okay so is this a person that I want to work with yeah. is this a person that I can find a job for them or produce them in some way or what are their strengths oh I really love what you said about I don't know the the, the latest season of Fargo let's see where else yeah. we can go you know it's finding those specific things so in terms of artistic direction it is about putting people in the best place finding the like finding i guess what i mean by that is is about finding out what that person's strengths are and putting them in a position to succeed within those strengths yeah and it starts usually with a one-on-one -on -one conversation it starts with just going and having a beer with this person or going out and just you know <laughs> even just like going out and just like smoking a cigarette with somebody it's just like it's that kind of like i like just getting to know that person yeah. in terms of the mechanics of artistic direction of like how to actually coordinate and facilitate and organize. It's still something that I'm learning to do. And that's all exactly. It's through, it's through experience. But I honestly, I think the core of my kind of artistic direction is that it's about finding people that you would want to like collaborate for a lifelong amount of time. Yeah. It's a sustainability. Like, could I see myself working with this person later on down the line? Could I? And also, it's like, is this person in tune with the national conversation? And a lot of that is with politics, right? Yeah. Like, you, you, art should reflect what's going on in the times. So you have to, it's an intentionality. Like, is this person being intentional um, are they just doing something because it's trendy or are they doing it because there's actually a genuine or intrinsic need to do something that's important or positive? Yeah. And are they willing to take risks and be open-minded in taking those risks? Because, as I said earlier, we're all works in progress. So there are times, you know, as an educator, uh, I, uh, I'm a theater director. I've got two years under my belt right now. I'm only in my mid twenties, so I'm I'm make I'm still making lots of mistakes. There's a lot of margin for error. Yeah, <laughs> but I learn a lot from working with high school students about what it means to be because in Western you get stuck within these pods and these bubbles. Like that's kind of been the big thing in our culture right now is kind of finding the information that just reflects 
what you want to yeah, hear. Yeah, the infamous echo chamber. Exactly. Yeah. So I think in public education and in school, I get more out of taking that person who doesn't like theater and finding out why. Why don't you like this? Like, what is keeping you from... What is the block here? What, what, what type of questions? Like, how, how do you pull that out of... So, that? so, yeah. So, for me, it's like, it's like finding out what those preconceived notions are. So, I start a class. Like, I have an acting class. And the problem with my acting class this, these last two years is that it's usually been a feeder class for kids. Feeder... Uh, cl- not theater, feeder. <laughs> a feeder, not theater. F e d e r. Yeah, <laughs> a feeder class because, like, uh, so, because essentially where I'm working right now is that there's, I usually get a mixed bag of kids. I don't. I usually get maybe like eight kids who really are there to learn about acting, and then everyone else is just, I need to take yeah, what, this whatever. requirement, whatever. And there's an apathy. So there is no way in hell I'm going to be able to talk about. Bogart or Stanislavski or Del Close or improv or pantomime or any of these skills unless there's fucking buy-in to it. Yeah. Like if they don't feel like included in the conversation, then why the hell, what's the purpose of doing it? Yeah. So it starts with asking questions of like, what are your preconceived notions? So a question might be looking like, why do we go see the theater? Like, what do you, when you think of the word theater, what comes to mind? Yeah. What are your, what's a brain, like brain dump it. Just tell me what you're thinking. First thing that comes to mind. Yeah. And a couple things happen there. One, kids are a little taken aback by that question. They're like, it's a little intense. It's like, whoa, like I've never really been asked an opinion before in this way. Like, yeah. and I'm, and I have to really encourage these kids to be like, you are not going to offend me if you don't yeah. like this. It is only until I know what makes you dislike this or makes you have disengaged with this that I, as a theater artist, can know how best to reach you yeah. and how best to reach an audience. And I think sometimes I really hate it when people are like, we do theater for theater people. That's such a bullshit claim because it's like, you're going to, it's like just preaching to the choir. Yeah. It's like, you're just like, oh, we're just going to do this thing because it's for this type of audience. And I'm like, well, that's why it's irrelevant. Like, that's why everyone kind of has that uh, when it's like, oh, come see my play. Like, yeah, I'll come see your play. Sure. You know, yeah. there's a, you, there's just got to be a tremendous amount of buy-in to go sit for an extended amount of time because everyone has this preconceived notion about like, oh, this play is not very good. Yeah. It's a community theater thing. It's not very well acted. And I think before we even get to any of that, you have to know the audience. So in terms of public education, I have various voices. And especially where I'm at right now in my the school I'm at, very faith-based, incredibly conservative. Uh, I'm not that. (laughs) I'm much more like on the left. So what I have to do is I have to present things and hear things in a way that can be heard. And that's what I mean by buy-in. And when that happens, magical, cliched, those teaching moments of like, oh, you got it. Like, she got it. They got the moment. Like, that's what comes to mind and in terms of like what that looks like it's you know I, I i access a lot of student voice i ask my students like you know write five sentences about what happened today and i don't really give them a prompt i don't really tell them what to write i just say write it yeah sometimes i get some bullshit and sometimes i get some really meaningful like oh i got this out of it because if 
I learned, I felt like I learned best from educators, directors, and people that sort of gave me the freedom to just didn't put like strict parameters on things. If I am able to just kind of free flow and like the pressure is off not to perform kind of going back to plays for us. Yeah. Then that opens up a bigger conversation. Absolutely. And then that's, and, and then it becomes less prescriptive and more. It's interesting that you said this or like, when I sometimes I'll get journal entries about things that aren't about theater, and then I'll have to have a conversation with that student and be like, "Why are you deflecting? Yeah. What's the deflection? What's here? up? Yeah, because I've given you all these other opportunities to express yourself, but you're still deflecting. Yeah. Sometimes I don't reach that student. If I was trying to reach every student, then I'd be setting myself up for failure as an educator, as a director, as a leader, because I, there's only so much you can do before it's like, okay, like. Yeah, I'm gonna move forward. And every student has such an individual right thing, which is something I, I want to harken back. You're talking yeah. about this idea, yeah, that I'm and I'm focus going on. off on a lot of tangents. No, it's perfect. <laughs> it actually leads really nicely into this cool. idea of you use the word synthesis uh, mm-hmm. early on, which is you're synthesizing. Yeah, and you have this taste. Um, and one of the things that I'm interested in is, yeah. as an artistic director, yeah. I think you have an intent mm-hmm. and also everyone else who is in a cast or who yeah. comes to you, who comes together to collaborate also has their own intents. Yes. And because we're different people, those intents at some point maybe don't align with each other. Sure. They don't need to match up, but maybe they're even in disalignment. Sure. How do you approach a scenario where a cast member is not, uh, I, falling into alignment seems sort of extreme, but I'll use that term. I mean, I mean, yeah. The, so how do you deal with that, uh, either with cast members or with students? You start by intellectualizing the work. You front load. And I think with my directing style, I believe there are hierarchical roles. There's like, you're, there's the director, there's a stage manager, the actor. It's that balance between you don't want to be dictatorial. You don't want to be like, hey, like this is the way it's got to go. But in the first week or so, like we, I just did, uh, we just did Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. and we spent the first week just talking about what, what the fuck that show's about. Because it's like, if you're just gonna go right into the work, you're sh- you're gonna have these kinds of problems you're talking about. Yeah, you're gonna have the problems where it's like, what is the intention here? And if there's never a clear front-loaded conversation about that from the get-go, then that's why that happens. That's huge, yeah. Yeah, so it's like about facilitating a, you know, you know, I, I did a Socratic seminar. I just presented some questions. We talked about some symbols, and uh, we talked about what the witch means. What does it mean to go home? Like, what, you know, I wanted to do it kind of as a dystopic universe. So that was non-negotiable because that's the vision that I have yeah. for the show. So it's like, this is where it's, this is what we're doing, but let's facilitate. Let me facilitate and get everyone's ideas and preconceived notions. And when they think of this, what comes up yeah. and it's then the collective we, understanding. Exactly. It's the collective understanding. It's the common knowledge. And then, you know, with improv it's the same thing. It's like, it's, it's group mind. It's mm-hmm. figuring out where everyone's coming from yeah. and then do, and through the doing, figuring out what, who were, where other people's strengths are. Like where, where's your strength? Okay. This is a limitation of yours. This is something you got to work on. So in terms of the, like the intentions crossing, that is a clear red flag for me that I need to sit down with that person and ask them questions. Okay. So it's asking questions. Um, very much in the very beginning of 
my you know career as a director or whatever like in in college the de- de- it was very hard not to get defensive when it's like someone was like uh this is not how i think it is it doesn't <laughs> yeah. as you said align with what i'm thinking i've gotten better because of working in a public school there's all these there's all these fucking opinions and ideas and stuff that if i don't have that buy in if that kid doesn't feel like or that actor or whatever doesn't feel like they're also a part of this their intention aligns with this then i need to do my homework and really empath- practice that empathy of like okay so what's making you feel that way like what about this is do you disagree with and usually we can come to a consensus usually i can you know that person will give me feedback because i'm still a work in progress and i can say i didn't think of it that way yeah and now i've reshaped my the very beginning week of rehearsals, I say, look, I don't have all the answers. If I did, this wouldn't be the art. It would be a business. It would be business kind of like being in a cubicle. Yeah. The creative process is a messy one. Yeah. But what we can do is we can have, we can facilitate a place where I'm open to feedback. Now, sometimes there's times where I'm just like, no, that's not. You yeah. Know, you you have to make decision. a decision as yeah. a director. Yeah. And I usually, and I usually follow up with that person and say, Look, I'm not trying to shut you down. I'm not trying to deflect, but we're on a schedule. We're on a deadline here. We do need to make some choices. Yeah. Will it be the right choice? I don't know. I don't know until that audience comes in, sits down, and sees it. And there have been times where I've been wrong, and I've come gone to that person and been like, or I've said it out loud, or it's like, yeah, that wasn't a good call. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> it's good, right. to, good to acknowledge that. Though. And, it really helps you acknowledge like, that's, that. That's the thing is, it's like this is subjective, right? It's mm-hmm. like you don't know, like you know, all these like it's there's all these theories, you know, like you got like Keith Johnstone's way of doing something, Del Close's way of doing something, Viola Spolin's way of doing something, and it's like and or this per, or like you know, for us, it's like Rich Brown or Marcoons or yeah. like Jim Lewis, and like. All of these are just tools. If you don't, if you totally indoctrinate yourself to one specific way of doing it, you are cutting off the conduit for that synthesis, that artistic flow of like, wow, you know what? That 18-year-old had an idea and I shut him down. And if maybe I'd listened to him and took away my status, my status, you know, mm-hmm. Johnstone shit about status. And, yeah. uh, 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 and if I just shut up and listen to that person, maybe this moment would have worked better. So I'm, I'm still working on that idea of like, it's that synthesis of just like, you know, I pass you the ball, you pass me the ball. Are we moving? Is yeah. it, and, and overall what we're looking at is, is this working for the entire story? And is the story going to translate to an audience. Yeah. So I want to jump over yeah. to uh, the idea. You're, you're also a playwright. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've written several plays. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested in, as a playwright, yeah. you are providing, you, you are essentially giving an artistic direction to a story by yourself in solitude. So you right. are like, the, of this process, you are the director. Yeah. And the whole, the finished product turns into a blueprint essentially that you hand to a sure. cast and you're like yeah. here here's my part of the collaboration totally uh into the future where totally. wh- whomever so i i'm just curious about uh your approach to writing and specifically <laughs> i think the one thing i want to center in on is how to write plays that 
where you're not directing for the artistic director or for the director of the play yeah. within the writing and how to fully actualize it as just a blueprint to like let your story go. Yeah, that's a great question. I and I, I think it's dependent on each play. You know, there's um, been a couple plays that I've you know one cast in my play yep. uh, <laughs> where I just knew that it was going to work better if I just took the reins on it. Yeah. You know, if I, I wanted it to be a specific way. I wanted it to hit a certain way. I wanted these beats. I wanted the theme to go a certain way. And I didn't want it to be a committee. So I'm going to just take it over. Yeah. And, and the it. cast was pretty malleable in that. Instance. Well, yeah. And like, but the thing is, and it's kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, is like having those one-on-one conversations. Yeah. Like, was it like Kazan, like that director, he talks about like how he would go and have dinner with his cast and with his collaborators, specifically his cast, to get to know how specifically to direct those people. Because one of our professors, I think Mark Kuntz said, he's like, we don't transform into ro- like we, we, we are the characters. So I have to find a way to know like, Jake, like, what is it about Jake Ferg that is a part of this character? Mm-hmm. And how can I funnel that in a way that's going to serve the characterization, the story, and overall translate to the audience? So there's a couple times where it's like, okay, like, I just want to have some, like, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of veto, I'm going to have this mm-hmm. be my thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that works for a lot of directors. You know, you look at someone like Louis C.K., you know, he has total creative control. He knows what he wants to do. You know, you look at a, like a, a bad example, but you look at like a Woody Allen, you know, like yeah. he kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. we were aware of that yeah. and what's going yeah. on there, but, but in terms of artistic, like artistic direction, he, he has control, he has control and he, not ever one of his films is, is, is top notch, you know, he, but he makes a consistent, he gives himself a container, a deadline of like, I'm going to make one every year or every other year. I don't care if it's good or not. It's just yeah. what it's going to be. Lately, I've been changing that idea because I'm at a point in my career where if I was to continue to go on this path of like, I want full creative control and this is my thing, I'm cutting off that conduit and that synthesis I was talking about. So giving a play to an artistic director, there's got to be a point where, and I think, I strictly think like the work should speak for itself. If something isn't translating on stage, that's a that's a that's an issue with the play, and the playwright needs to address that issue. Yeah. And if a good director, a good director, I think gives you gives that person boundaries. I was working with uh, Kayla Adams with Office Hours with mm-hmm. Playero, and uh, the, I asked her to direct it because I was like, I want to learn from you. Like, I want to give this off to you because one. We've had one-on-one conversations where I feel like we're aligned similarly. We have same tastes. Like we've, you know, we've talked about this. I trust you to put this up on its feet and to do this. And she was very clear with me. She was like, I only want you to come in on this time and I want you to be here for this. And I don't really, I don't really want you to be like your presence to be here. And not like in a personal, like a a bad way. It's just like, there needs to be that boundary where you need to let, you know, you've done your job as the storyteller. Now it's my job as the storyteller to add that next layer yeah. with the direction and the acting and the cast. So I think it's about, it's about removing ego, taking the ego out of it. Just like say like, if I'm wrong here, I'm wrong here. 
there have been plenty of times where I've had those those collaborative relationships with the director or with um, another person where I still am like, that's not going to work. That's not gonna, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bad feeling. <laughs> it's a bad feeling, but also it's like, but I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I see. Yeah. Because if I get so sucked into one specific detail, like, and, and this is, this is, this is Brian post-college. Like this yeah. is because of working with high school students and working with people and being outside of the collegiate bubble. It's giving me the opportunity to be like, I've got to give this the benefit of the doubt. I've got to let this just see. I got to let it either implode on itself or I was fucking wrong. And, and if you judge, you're letting your ego control yourself. Exactly. And I think a lot of that, you know, and you come from an improv background where it's like, there's got to be a moment where you just have to, you, you've got to get to that point where it's like a symbiosis or whatever. Yeah. Like, you just like, I got to trust what you're going to give to yep. me. And like, I can't just judge it. Like, and if I'm going to go in, I have to check my ego, my judgments, all these preconceived notions I'm having. I got to be aware of them. But I can't let it limit me yeah. from saying the simple yes and. Yeah, they, yeah, they can't be in front of you. Exactly. They can't be existing as these things in front of you that you have to get past every single yes. time you interact yes. on stage. You have to be malleable, and yeah. it, in, especially in the arts. You, you, you do. Like, you just... Everyone comes from a different experience. And something... One of our professors said at Western Deb Courier, she was like... There was a point where, you know, I was in a point in my life where I was just like, I got like, I got this kind of like prideful ego, like, yeah, I don't like, other, whatever, what, fuck other people. Like, I'm just going to do my shit. And yeah. uh, there was a point where she was like, what other people have to say is worthy. And that was a huge eye opener to me. It's like, yeah, like I, I have to listen to that feedback. I have to, I can take it with a grain of salt, but it's just if I'm going to be a dick about this thing, then I lose that opportunity to work with that person again. Or I, 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 I have to practice empathy and kindness, even if it doesn't necessarily align with my vision. Yeah. Because maybe I was fucking wrong about the vision initially. Yeah. Or maybe these, this person is saying something that you don't like because they're getting to something that you yes. need to hear. Yes. So, in working with high school students and working with other places like Edmonds and, and working in places in uh, Seattle, I've really learned to just kind of be more of let it just kind of flow. Mm-hmm. Like that's such an abstract thing, but it's like, let go of control, only control what you can do. And if it doesn't work, then that's when you reassess in the post-mortem yeah. or whatever the fuck. So yeah, it's kind of like dissolving the ego, sort of. That. It's dissolving the ego. So kind of going back to playwriting, it's like the play should speak for itself. You should give the person that you're collaborating with the benefit of the doubt that they are able to see it. Yes, yeah, because <laughs> like they picked your script. Like there's there's you. That's the first thing that we have to remind ourselves is like like that's something I have to remind my actors is like look. You're in this part. You're you are this person because I saw something in you that tells me that you can go to this level. Yeah. Or I've seen you in the hallways do this weird thing, or in my class you have this weird quirk about you. Like, and I'm very upfront with that actor and that person, that collaborator. I'm saying like I've seen this before. I've seen that you're able to do this. Like, I know you can channel it into this. It's that encouragement of just yeah. like, and and I think. I'm not sure where I was going with that, but essentially like, it's just not limiting things. Just 
like keeping an open mind. And I think that not only for artists and collaborators, but also just for people who are in arts administration. I'm working with a company right now where it's like, there are people who don't use email. Interesting. And that's interesting to me because it's like, well, I'm just used to calling on the phone or one-on-one conversation. I'm like, but then that's going to make thing you irrelevant. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? It's like, yeah. you're not going to be, you're going to get you know? So I think it's just, it's, it's a, it's the idea of growth mindset, like continuing to like be open to things and to adjust and adapt and be divergent. Like just like not getting stuck on one way of doing something. Yeah. And that's related to ego and to pride. It's like we pride ourselves on this, you know, doing this for 11, 25 years cool but audiences are changing netflix is a thing people don't want to go see another version of romeo and juliet (laughs) what are you as the artist and the administrator going to do to make sure that that person joe schmo down the street who doesn't give a fuck about your theater production come to your theater production how are you going to talk to that person yeah so it's about it's about letting go of the higher the kind of like the higher archy and the ivory tower of like i'm a theater artist so and like putting yourself on the you know kind of taking your status down just saying what can i do to kind of bring this person yeah that's about equalizing equalizing yeah Yeah. um so we're nearing the end of the podcast Uh, i i'm curious is there anything that we haven't touched or any subject that we haven't talked about that you are interested in or you want to explore i think for me it's just kind of like just where theater is going and like what theater what we're what we're doing with theater nowadays it's like i think with uh (laughs) trump being in office um it's a thing it's part of the politics it's a part of the collective consciousness exactly and it's like you know there's a lot of there's a lot of bad things yeah Um, hatred a lot of hatred yeah on both sides on both sides um it's it's perpetuating itself exactly so kind of kind of making this kind of succinct as much as possible it's like I dare to say this, but it's like, it's, it's empathy, empathy on both sides. So when I see a lot of art, you know, I think there's this sort of trend of like, we need to say, fuck you to this guy, or like, we need to make, we need to politicize this in mm-hmm. some way. And I think that's a necessary, that's a necessity. You need to politicize, like, the, yeah. pol- it's just going to be a part of what you were saying, the cult- cultural consciousness. But I think, and it, this is kind of my feelings towards devising too. If you're, if you're starting with a, idea a political idea and a thesis as your narrative to, as a form of your narrative then that's when i think you start to lose people hmm. okay i think narrative politics should just come from sorry the, the the commentary the politics should just come from the narrative the specificity yeah. so so instead of just saying well we're going to include a trans actor and it's going to be about trans people it's like why don't you just show like just like not acknowledge it at all. Like with something my girlfriend says, like don't acknowledge it at all. Like don't just let them be like normal, normalize it. And I'm a little, I'm a little worried that we're going to get to a point where we're not going to be able to, we're going to continue to be divisive in these bubbles because like we're going to continue to politicize. And, and, and I think it's important, but I think we need to be able to tell narratives and stories in a way that's digestible to people the way that i look at it is i think the art that i've consumed yeah uh, that has affected me the most or yeah. the stories that i've consumed 
didn't tell me what I should be thinking at the end of it. They're just exactly. they're just presenting. It's like here are these yeah. ideas, here are these things, here is a truth, here is a a logical set of truths right. that I will present to you. And what you take as an audience member yeah. at the end is for you. Hopefully, you have a bit of empathy and you can understand where these characters. Here's an essential question. You know, like we're going to leave you with a question. Yeah, exactly. I I think audiences, you know, I think the theater should do two things. One, it should leave you with questions. You should be questioning something. And then also, it should be cathartic. You should come out a different person. There's a director I really like, uh, Mm -hmm. Alfonso Curon. Yeah. um, Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. Uh, But he has a quote that really stuck with me, which is uh, the movie starts when the audience walks out of the theater. And I really like that idea. Yeah, that's it's excellent. Like the play yeah. starts because that's mm-hmm. that's always that, that's another thing is the uh, the reuptake time. I look at it where it's like right. after I see a movie or a play, how long out until after the ending moment am I still synthesizing? Am I still thinking? Am I still right. processing through it? Right. And for really good things, it's you know you forget about it and then a week later you're like oh shit I'm still thinking about like, yeah, yeah, 2001 yeah. Space Odyssey or something like that <laughs> well and that's why those those movies books pieces of art stand the test of time that's yeah. why you like and, you know, I'm teaching Shakespeare right now it's like why do we teach Shakespeare after 400 years you know? yeah. <laughs> like, what's the relevance here and and it's about it's about I think those questions those essential questions yeah. you know like figuring out like letting the thesis and the themes come from letting the work speak for itself instead of dictating to the audience, like this is going to be about this experience that I've had. And I'm like, cool, but you've already alienated me because it's like, you've already told me what I'm going to get from it. Yeah. And you're not giving me the benefit of the doubt to you're spoon feeding it to me. Yeah. You're approaching it with the ego. Like you're approaching it with a fucking ego, man. Yeah, it's like, like you oh, must God, agree with me. you. I'm presenting yes. this thing, and I'm going to convince you because yes. you have to agree with yes. me. Yes, and that doesn't. I mean, there is art that is like that, but that doesn't yeah. um, doesn't satiate you yeah. in a way where if there's someone who's resistant to that idea, mm-hmm. th- that's not going to break through to them. Whereas right. a, just a presentation of right. the themes that are involved with that idea right. might, uh, might slowly but surely change somewhat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and, and that's why, you know, my, that's why I'm like, you know, I work in community theater and I work in fringe theater. I'm always interested to see, cause they have different, there are different priorities. There. Oh, yeah. there are different things of like, uh, like how do you bridge those gaps? Like maybe you don't, and maybe you never mm-hmm. do, but I do think that the more unity and the more bridges that there are between these communities and theaters, not that there, are, there aren't any already, but more of an intentional just like, I'm going to come and see this show. I know it's about taking like, if you're going to do a community theater production of like Neil Simon, and if you're picking a season as an artistic director, why the fuck are you doing this play right now? Yeah. Like, what's the point of doing it now? Well, it's a lot of fun. There are great costumes, and no, oh, it's a it's a great story. Okay, so how does that have to do with 2017? Like, what about the themes, the characters, the tone, the mood, the conventions? Like, how does that reflect what's going on now? Yeah. Because like that 20 year old kid who's coming out at like that 18 year old kid who's coming out of high school, they're gonna continue to get sucked into the Disney corporate America machine if you're not able to like. <laughs> Like, find a way to reach out to them and give them, like, yes, talk about Shakespeare and Neil Simon. Continue producing those plays, but do it in a way that speaks to the the next people that are coming up. And, like, people who don't originally want to see that stuff, you know? Like, they have those preconceived notions. 
Brian, if anyone wants to find you uh, online, is there a place? Do you have any sort of plugs? And this is going to be released in a couple of months, so do you have any plugs like way out? Sure. Um, not nothing. Nothing now. I'm uh, I'm creating a series called a uh, fun the Funhouse Anthology. Yeah, and it's essentially it's a derivative of. Uh, Twilight Zone, Adult Swim, Black Mirror, and a thing called Playhouse 90. So it's essentially just original, uh, written, acted, directed, uh, produced works from people in the Pacific Northwest. That has a little bit more of that absurdist, transgressive, sort of uh, 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 experimental vibe. But it's still based in narrative. So it's not sketch, they're plays, but it's like a good collection of short stories. I'm hoping to continue doing that in, um, you know, we've got a show in June. But I know I'm hoping to continue that and make that yeah. be kind of a, a staple. And will that be at the pocket? I don't know yet. Okay. I'm actually in, I'm in talks to figure out where it's going to, the okay. next iteration of it's going to yeah. be. Um, and in terms of a website, uh, I have a, a website. Um, it's a, uh, Brian Taves, <laughs> I haven't paid for the dough name yet, so I'm still, oh, yeah. it's briantaves.weebly.com. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'm, you know, I, uh, I'll, be uh, teaching drama and English at Redmond High School, so I'll be taking over that program and um, uh, doing work there, um, and then continuing to just work with companies like Edmonds Driftwood Players, working in the Seattle uh, theater scene. Just I'm kind of freelancing, doing my yeah. own thing. This is a great city to do that in. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and so I also I like ending yeah. uh, with this. Can you can you give a recommendation of one thing? At all, anything, anything you recommend—a book, a movie, uh, oh, a yeah. way of life, an idea, like a quote or something like that. Oh shit! Um, yeah, there's a lot. Of things. <laughs> Two things, uh, I guess. Three things. One, get a membership to any art museum. Go see. Go 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 to museums. Go out to museums and see art. Um, modern whatever just go get an art go get a pay a membership to go to a museum because it gets you out gets you around other people and also you get to see things that are outside maybe your specific discipline get a subscription to the new yorker or something like read read as much as you can not just on your phone but also like my partner um has helped me kind of be like you need to read like a book like read text so like Find some time to read at night. Yeah. Uh, uh, go see plays um, and te- te- yeah, uh, te- television. We're in the golden age of television. Um, yeah. So I a show that I'm uh, shows that I really think that are changing the idea of narrative and television. Uh, Transparent on Amazon. Mm, I've watched a bit of that. Amazing, now. amazing series where, where it talks about that normalizing. It just yeah. normalizes that experience. Um, Fargo. Fargo is excellent. Uh, I, everyone should be watching Fargo. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 figurative language. It's all it, it's amazing. And then uh, Insecure uh, on, a, on HBO uh, is is a great show. Another idea where it's just it's normalizing the black female feminist perspective, but yeah. in a way that isn't just you know it's that intersectional fem, uh, feminism that is like wow, this is really funny and this is like, this is a show just about a woman who's like struggling through her 20s but there's all these other underlying kind of politicized issues that are coming up out of narrative and characterization. So those are sort of my recommendations as of Awesome, great, Brian. Thank you so much thank for you, sitting down with me. Of course, man. Like always, thanks for having a, me. It's been a wonderful episode. I love hearing your everyone's perspective, dude. I, I I love what you're doing with the podcast. I think there's there's some really great. I mean, there's some 
there's some there's just so many perspectives yeah and uh, i'm i mean i'm excited for yeah you. here's to the future right <laughs> here's to the future uh you can find me at jacobalexanderferg.com the podcast is on there uh you can also find the podcast on itunes and soundcloud and i have a facebook page and uh please please listener have a wonderful rest of your day thank you very much goodbye <laughs>